0: i uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: Welcome back to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man 1. Is that an Angel? Minute at a time. I'm Zach
0: Luna. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I, am, I was so distracted by that I almost said I'm Zach Luna because I'm reading the script. Uh, I'm Scott Corelli.
2: <laughs> and I'm Heidi Bennett of Cabin Minute Cast and Spinal Tap Minute.
0: Welcome, Heidi. Thank you yeah. for being here.
2: Oh, my yeah. pleasure. Thank you for joining us.
1: Happy to have you on this day where we are focusing on minute number 99. Oh my gosh, we've made it to 99 minutes into this movie. That's incredible. It's almost
0: uh, as impressive as the minute we'll be celebrating tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's still a pretty good one. Uh, <laughs> it begins <laughs> with uh, Peter sort of chastising Aunt May with, uh, you're supposed to be asleep, and uh, ends with him very urgently shoving coins into a payphone machine. Mm. This is two thousand and two after all. <laughs> <laughs> and even
0: even in two thousand and two this was a little dated. <laughs> yeah.
1: T- tiny bit old fashioned, I'd say. Um This is the storytelling minute, the uh Aunt May recounting young mm. Peter uh stories. And and what I'm sort of curious about, uh, just sort of starting us off, is whether this was always a um like a spoken story, like a an oral recounting of the youth, or if there was ever like a um uh, a tr- more traditional flashback here. I don't think we have any flashbacks proper in the movie. And this is the Mm-mm. scene that most feels like one. Um, but it's, uh, it's, I mean, I assume it's similar in the script. I don't know. What do you? Yeah, think, no,
0: no, no. In, in the script, it's just a, uh, it, it, all it is, is a, uh, just Aunt May saying it says the parenthetical is an enigmatic smile. And then she tells the story. Ah, the enig- so. <laughs> but I, but I will say, uh, after the, uh, Aunt, Aunt May, Aunt May, is that an angel? And Peter says, so I'm just, I'm instead of saying their names, I'm just going to say the dialogue because that's how it would sound in the movie. Sure. Yeah. Um, Gee, Aunt May, did I say that? You sure did, Peter. <sighs> I don't, I like, like maybe too many names. I, I, I hate when I read a script and they use the names of characters too much. Cause that's not how people talk. Right. Like I, I can't, if there's someone around me that I am around a lot. Yeah. I, I, you don't, you just don't call them by their name very often unless you're like at work or something, and then yeah. you, or you're you know, podcasting
2: with them, you know. Okay, right.
0: that's, true. that's <laughs> fair. And they're
1: introducing them at the top. The that's fair. If this was hour. a Peter
0: M, if this is a Peter and Aunt May podcast, then this would be <laughs> uh,
1: every day they'd have a little theme song, and you'd be like, yeah. "Welcome back, it's me and Aunt May." Uh, the May and Peter Hour in the morning. um well, yeah, that's def- that's definitely
0: something Tom Holland's Peter did. <laughs>
1: Yes, like like, I just, I just really think we should like start a I don't know a podcast or something maybe really cool. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) It's it's hard enough to like uh, weave in like names of characters in, like, a pilot or something where you have to introduce uh-huh.
0: them. But it's it's so much <laughs> hey, more... Hey, aren't yeah. <laughs> we brother and sister? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, uh. no, no. We've sure been best friends for a while. Best friend's name, first and last. Uh, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but, but here, it's like, there's no... There's not even... A, like, you have to do it in a pilot. You, you have to get right. people to know the names of your characters. So it's, like, sort of right. a necessary evil. But there's no reason at all... In this scene, for them to have to use their names like their Pokemon, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Like their Pokemon. <laughs> Con- conversational Pokemon? Is that like if you say somebody else's name all the time? This writing <laughs> that down of, for the title. The <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I thought Enigmatic Smiles was pretty good too. Um, <laughs> G G Did I say that? Well, he still says G in the scene. Like he we sure still does. Got, oh boy. Yep. I guess, uh, about as anachronistic a piece of dialogue as you can get.
0: I I always remember this scene as being way longer than it is. Um, (laughs) I uh, but I'll be honest the the G is the I I don't I almost feel like he was only cast because he was in Pleasantville, and they were like, "Wow, he can really make that cheesy like cheesy old fashioned dialogue work." Um, the G G is the linchpin
1: like if he can pull off saying that and then okay he can carry the whole movie
0: G G is a very Clark Kent thing to say not Peter Parker Um, but then that goes back to last week with the you know Richard Donner's right like
1: maybe Peter is modeling himself after Richard Donner's Spider-Man in this moment as well (laughs) Richard Donner's Superman I meant to say did I say that right I think I might have said (laughs) Donner's Spider-Man which is a movie I would watch I would watch that
0: movie we all would.
1: <laughs> heartbeat.
0: We'd be covering it a minute at a time if that if that happened. <laughs> okay. Um, um
2: uh, I
0: I don't know I I this this uh, I I think Rosemary Harris just nails this this story. Oh yeah. Oh, I think yeah. she I mean she makes it sound like the kind of story that uh, an elderly woman would look back fondly on.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it it's sweet. Like it, I mean. Mm-hmm. I can understand people like when they when they say things like, oh, the Ramey movies are cheesy and they I can get that they would point to a scene like this and sort of like as evidence say, look, it's cheesy. But I think it's so sweet that I mean, it, it, not even just in the traditional way, we've been sort of like reframing the cheesy conversation to a conversation about earnestness. I think this right. is even more in a an, an old lady would speak this way. So it's entirely yes. appropriate that it's this sweet and cheesy. Yeah, There's she's on. Cheese, she yeah. she's
2: on brand with exactly who she's supposed to be with this story. Yep. yeah,
1: that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and
2: I think one of the notes I was taking as I so I watched the movie. I haven't seen this in quite a while, but I watched it up until mm-hmm. to up into and on these minutes here with you guys. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. And uh, I, that was kind of awkward, but I think you get what I'm saying. <laughs> so I didn't continue on. So I get to continue on after these, uh, after Yay. we record our episode. Oh, nice. <laughs> but I felt like they are in this sort of timeless space. Like everything he wears is sort of just just classic mm. in clothing. Yeah. And yeah. what she wears is very classic. And Uncle Ben, what you know, RIP, was the same way. And <laughs> I think that makes this movie. It kind of reminded me of Superman a bit, which we can talk about a little bit later when we talk about my relationship with this movie. But sure, is that that OG oh, and this clothing and this even mm-hmm. a hospital like what what's it's it's just an old-fashioned hospital room too you know like there's a lot of soft colors and it's not it's not stark and white it's sort of homey looking yeah Mm -hmm. and that um that was the one thing about mj's costuming that i thought didn't really work in this movie is that it looks sort of dated but i don't even know what you know, is that what... What date to assign it to? Yeah, or, yeah. Is yeah, that what yeah. world, young women <laughs> were yeah, wearing in the early 2000s? I don't even know.
0: <laughs> she's absolutely wearing early... Because I was in high school when this came out. So she was absolutely wearing 100% what what girls in, uh, in the early 2000s were wearing. Gotcha. Um, yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, I will say, speaking of what people are wearing, I'm just now noticing... That Aunt May is wearing the nicest hospital gown I have ever seen. It's <laughs>
2: incredible.
0: It's got a collar
1: and lapels and a pocket. Yeah, it's
2: like, it's like very I think nicely it's, tailored. Uh, yeah, I think it's a house coat. You know, maybe yeah. or a house uh, <laughs> pair of pajamas that somebody brought for her because it's oh, pretty, that's nice. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah
0: that seems yeah. like a Peter thing to do. That yeah, makes
1: the, more sense. Yeah, that's and it very... fits with her whole floral theme throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, she's mm-hmm. really. Again, on brand. It is on brand in this episode. Always, one hundred percent. Always on brand. No, I Always like I like brand. that um that idea that like um w- when we talk about the movie feeling like a comic book, it's not just in terms of you know big flashy colors and you know dialogue with phrases like "I'll get you, Spider," once again, Spider Man, or g shucks," but also the fact that the the costuming, the 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 clothing is um. It's an it's iconic, not uh, specific. Like he's not wearing an Adidas brand something. He's not like got something cool and hip about it. Like nobody's gonna dress up as this version of Peter the way they would dress up as like Marty McFly. Right. Like there's nothing specific to the 1980s or the early 2000s about him. He's just a um, a simplified icon in the frame. The same timeless, way that she is. Time, timeless
0: yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Old lady and young man right. having a mm-hmm. conversation.
2: Right mm-hmm. down to the hairstyles and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. he probably has like a tiny bit of, maybe just a little bit of um, s- what do you call those when it's like lightened when they light up just little streaks in your hair just to kind of oh, sure. yeah. yeah, like a tiny yeah. bit in there, but not to the point of distraction you know it looks yeah. like it could be natural but yeah just has a classic I, 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 it looks like it style. looks like the
0: we've talked a lot about the um lighting in this room and how there's a light just off camera that's like harshly backlighting him yeah. uh to an unnatural degree and i think <sighs> that might be part of what's going on there with the with the what seemed like the highlights in his hair um 'Cause I yeah, like the I, separation yeah, of those I, colors. Yeah. Yeah, because I have that in my hair too. Um mm. that sort of like natural, like golden brown color like highlights. Um mm. and that's not I don't do that. Uh right. It's like yeah. even
1: though the base color is much darker, like as parts of your hair like just do that.
0: Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. I don't yeah. know, being in the sun or whatever. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but uh but uh, I I do um there's a bit that Aunt Mace says that I was caught off guard by because mm-hmm. we've been talking since the start of this podcast mm-hmm. about and we're about to get to the problematic part with uh, with Mary Jane and how she yeah. is always kidnapped in every single movie.
2: Mm.
0: You know? But but we've talked a lot about her agency as a character and outside of the third act. And I'll be really interested, like, once we get into the third act um, and start digging in moment by moment what's going on with her character, I'll be curious what we come up with. But mm-hmm. as far as the the rest of the movie is concerned, outside of the three, the third act, we've talked a lot about how much agency she has as a character mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how... Um, she, all of her decisions that she makes in this movie are not done by other people. They're all, they're all always done by her. Everything that she does is a choice that she makes specifically, Mm -hmm. um, outside of the other characters in the movie. And, uh, there's this great bit where Peter says, well, she's Harry's girl. So, you know, I can't really do anything about that right now. Oh yeah. And, and Aunt May says isn't that up to her?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just went, wow, <laughs> that's, that's in a movie. Oh my yeah. God. Like, <laughs> like that's in a movie from 15 years ago. Um, Cause like the concept of, of female character agency is a big hot topic of like the past. I don't know. I, I feel like the past like five years specifically, I hear about mm-hmm. it a lot more sure. than I sure. ever used to. Um, and, and so hearing hearing this elderly woman say something like that, I was like, Oh man, that's wow. What a great line. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah. It lands.
1: Like uh, sometimes when you um, are, have been watching something and you haven't really realized the, um, the tone shift over the last few years. Like you're watching a type of movie, like a superhero movie or whatever. And, and you go back to an older thing and sometimes there's aspects that pop out at you as more surprising than you expected they would um just because th- things were changing so slowly you didn't realize them like for me um a slightly different uh <laughs> subject matter but like uh horror movies and horror comedies I rewatched like Tremors the other day mm-hmm. that like 1980s Kevin Bacon movie and there's bits in that with um the character uh oh my gosh I'm forget Rhonda the like the like sassy uh um what do you call her, scientist uh, girl, she's like a grad student working out in the desert who figures out that um, all these things are going on. There's just this like natural deference to her character where like everybody in the town, and even in this like, you know, very rural, like part of Nevada, this very like uh, red state area, just like immediately like defaults to her expertise all the time. Like they're always asking her opinion of things. And I was watching, I was like, wow, like like people really respect Rhonda in this movie. Like I'm really really (laughs) amazed by that. Like that it wasn't, they didn't make a thing of it, and that made it like sing in my heart just that bit bit more that like uh, mm-hmm. so like it, the 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 narrative tends to be like oh well, we do uh now that it's easier to like have these conversations without them being tamped down, you would assume that the popular media at large would um be adjusting only in the one direction towards improving on those things, but it doesn't always like sometimes. We backslide, and sometimes we uh, recognize things from earlier that we're we're doing a great job at something without even realizing it, so like this line from um, Aunt May. You know, it almost brings a tear to my eye in that same way that like watching everybody just be so chill with Rhonda makes me excited. Like it's it's an artifact of like, oh, yeah, no, like, of course, we can do this. We've done it before. <laughs> <laughs>
2: writing,
0: writing down being chill with Rhonda.
2: <laughs> I love that you bring that up because I think uh, it like you said it's surprising and sort of delightful when you go oh there actually are movies here that are giving us something that has um where the women come off as smart and have their own thoughts and yeah. make make their own decisions because nowadays it's so at the forefront of our mind that mm. i realize that I'm losing interest really fast in movies that don't have strong female characters. And, right, and it's right. so exciting to see something like wonder woman or Jessica Jones or so many different things where mm-hmm. there's these female leads. And then I remember when they, um, female leads that are that are, you know, complicated and flawed and it still, you know, wonder people, but you know, yeah. still <laughs> but have some depth and, um, or like a show like uh, Love. Oh, yes. Uh, where uh-huh. the characters are just really super fleshed out and realistic yeah, and messy. And, and flawed flawed. Wonderful.
1: Yeah.
2: And funny. And, and, and yeah, so it's nice to, to look back and see that, that that's, there's evidence in the past. And I feel like uh, um, in the podcast coming up, the Cabin Minute cast – Mm-hmm. With uh, my podcast partner is a uh, another woman, and and we're sort of excited to say, like, you know, I know we're going to be talking about one specific movie, but I have a feeling we'll be going on some interesting tangents. Oh, yeah. Just, oh just, yeah. <laughs> just because of uh, you know just the conversations of today, like we like to talk yeah. about what's going on in in film and television and pop mm-hmm. culture in general, and then just putting our personalities and points of view in there. I'm really excited about it.
1: Okay, and what a great movie to 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 use to to jump into those because the the film itself is in that position of commenting on other films to begin with That's uh big I'm, time I'm really yeah <laughs> ex- i'm really
0: excited to listen to that
1: show i love that movie so much
0: i wrote uh, a i wrote a rhetorical thesis on that movie
1: ooh, no way I <laughs> yeah As, yeah so. uh, uh, i, I want to do a slight tangent i know we're already on tiny tiny bit of a tangent but um my first like time after i moved out to la where i felt like oh, wow, I'm in Los Angeles. Like my first, oh my goodness, they make movies here experience was, I was at Target doing something, uh, you know, r- random. And I
0: went-, <laughs> that, was, I went that, was, that, was, that was a hard left turn.
2: Where no, wait, I was wait, like, this, this is silly it. One, <laughs> this and
1: you're
0: so like, so at Target. Target right? And I'm like- Everybody mm. <laughs> is Target, right? And it's like, okay, Tar-
1: I'm not expecting anything special to happen at Target. I, I go, you know, I get uh, like dish soap or whatever I needed to get at Target. And I always like walk by the new release DVDs there. And I saw that Cabin in the Woods was out. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this movie. I was so excited about this when it came out. So I went and I, I grabbed that DVD and I went to check out. and I'm in the checkout line and a guy looks over at me and goes, oh, look, Cabin in the Woods. I was like, yeah, I love this movie. He's like, yeah, I did a uh, sound design on that. And uh, I was like, what? Really? He's like, yeah, it took forever to come out. And then he just left. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, this is- you can't just do that, but he says, "Yeah, casually, like, oh, hey, that's that thing I did." And then he walked away, and I was like, oh, "I've I've been touched by Hollywood." Like that, <laughs> that's all it took. <laughs> that's all it took. So, yes, yes, it was Target that did it for me, and Ooh. it was Cabin in the Woods. So, thank you, Cabin in the Woods, for <laughs> giving me that gift. Um, <laughs> what else is a gift? Uh, this dialogue is a gift. Yeah, how's that work for segue? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I I do like where this leads mm-hmm. um, of, of, you know, Peter saying she doesn't really know me, which. All right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, she knows you well enough to go on a to go on a date with her. Come on. Yeah. Um, it's not like you're a stranger. Like, <laughs> come on, Peter. Um, lighten up a little. Uh, but uh, but Aunt May makes that really great point. Of uh, you know you won't let her. You're so mysterious all the time. Uh, you know, would it be so dangerous to let Mary Jane know how much you care? Everyone else knows, and just the way that that because you know they're trying to get to the beat that's gonna take them. They they want they want a a hard right turn into uh, tragedyville, into yeah. you know uh, the third act, and. Oh. The they do this. I think they they get there flawlessly. Yes, um, as yes. far as like building that in natural conversation and making it sort of innocuous, and then or innocuous, and then having Peter come to the realization. Yeah, everybody else knows. That's oh no. Oh, yeah, um, I that's that's good. I think it's that's real good. I, I think that's a good uh, build-up and a, a really great way of um, doing this. And I love, I love Aunt May's expression when he leaves the room. Cause he, <laughs> she, it's just the perfect elderly woman, worried elderly woman expression. It's so good.
1: Yeah. That, that hard right turn into, what did you call it? Like, Tra- Tragedyville,
0: Tragedyville. turn into
1: Tragedyville. Also, a good episode title. Uh, <laughs> like it, it works so well that I immediately forget the awkwardness of the like uh, conversation getting there. Like I, right. I it, it evaporates out of my brain, and then I'm. Gee, then I'm, did
0: I really say that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't, Peter. We've already moved on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that does not exist. Um, and it helps it helps too that the the, the music there is great. Yes is, is amazing. That sort of like rising mm-hmm. um danger sound, urgent music in the payphone. Mm-hmm.
0: Um again, <laughs> the the it's 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 what we've been talking about, about how you know people call music uh bad, bad scores, they'll call them manipulative. And this is exactly the thing that we were talking about where this is not just because it is it is drifting you toward how it wants you to feel. It's, it's not manipulative because it's not outside of what Peter feel feeling. It's, it's, yeah. it's the bridge. It's the bridge between the audience and the main character is what the music is. Because we can't Ooh. feel what he feels, <laughs> but we can feel music. Right. And so if we feel tension and tragedy coming in the music... We know how he's feeling at the same time.
1: I like that a lot. That's a good way to phrase that. <laughs> it's just like I was just and like sitting here nodding like, yeah, good, good, well said.
2: <laughs> <Nothing to add. laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the level at which it comes in, too. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. you know, it just kind of creeps in at just the right level. And then mm-hmm. once he's at the phone, it's really... Yeah, you get that anxious feeling. And I just yeah, she uses the word dangerous. It took me a couple of of viewings to realize like, oh, yeah, dangerous. She's I mean, mm. it's hitting me over the head obvious now, but yeah. she's, it is very dangerous for the, her to know. For everyone to know that I care about her like this. uh, Yeah. uh, Things get things are getting complicated. I already thought my relationship with her was complicated, but this is a whole new level. Right. It's the
0: whole point of his secret identity is is so that this kind of thing doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and you know, we 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 didn't bring this up at the time because I think we were just so distracted by the gloriousness of that Thanksgiving scene. Um, <laughs> but but the way that Norman puts together that Peter is Spider Man is. So uh, you you know I'm gonna I'm gonna use my four dollar word again. It's so and yeah. like just ino- innocuous. Like it's just yeah. <laughs> it's this it's just this nothing moment that makes him put everything together. That I I I just find that really interesting. And you know what's funny? I was thinking I was like it's got to be more dramatic in other versions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's never huh. dramatic. It's always the goblin just follows Spider Man. Far enough away for long enough until he catches him taking his mask off. <laughs> in every other version, that that is how he finds out. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's ridiculous. It. I was I just don't... rewatching the '90s <laughs> show. I was yeah. just rewatching the '90s animated series, and it was the same thing. And that's what it was like in the Amazing Spider-Man comics, and then that's mm-hmm. what it was like in that '90s animated series. And I, I just, it's like why, why why is this the way like you can't come up with a more dramatic reason than this. Um, So, so the fact that it's, it's a very like nothing kind of moment is actually um, uh, sort of on brand, I guess. It's pretty uh, slick. Yeah. yeah. And also
1: um, I do want to give a shout out. I I hope I'm attributing it right. I'm, I'm mostly sure this is right. Well, one of our listeners, um, Benjamin Waddle, I believe Mm -hmm. uh, posted in the group uh, after our Thanksgiving episode came out that he would have thought a nice beat to have in there would have been the fact that both Spider-Man and the Goblin were just at that fire. They would... Mm -hmm. All of their clothes and their hair would smell like the fire. Yes. Like, they would be the only two people there who smelled like burning wood or campfire. Because neither
0: of them took a shower. Uh, Neither of them
1: took a shower, and neither of them would have a way to explain it away. Right. That, like but it's it's hard to be cinematic with smells i guess i don't know but.
0: yeah i think i think that's ultimately that that's ultimately the reason is that mm-hmm. uh you wouldn't be able to get out of the out of that like as yeah. soon as a character mentioned like why do you smell like a burning building uh i mean you wouldn't be able to get out of that conversation uh, right yeah and and not only would the two of them put together who each other are, which is the mm-hmm. biggest issue, is that you can't have Peter finding out who Norman is at the same time. Yeah, everyone else yeah. would be like, were you guys in the same burning building? Like, <laughs> <laughs> there'd just be so many questions. Did, and so, did you just I, I think get back from a didn't... bonfire?
1: Like, <laughs> right? yeah. like, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe it's just an underlying thing in a headcanon now that just but, <laughs> but in but in
0: reality, uh but in reality uh he's he's completely a hundred percent right. They would both yes. reek <laughs> reek of a burning building.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, talking about the um the normalness of the Norman rev- you know, him figuring out that who Peter is,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it it mm-hmm. is there is a bit of that tease just moments earlier where there's the the blood splat you kind of you know in the in his bedroom so it seems like they were giving you that like it could have been here yeah but instead we're gonna make it kind of mundane but in a great great way
1: yeah that like the the most disastrous version the very scary like mission impossible moment of your sweat dropping on the laser whatever doesn't fall the dangerous way and then it's just something as simple as you have a light colored shirt and they can see that you're cut that does it like that's it almost seems like the
2: cut being revealed like the the slice itself on his arm like when she pulls open his shirt or back his shirt sleeve and and it's revealed. I feel like I mean, I watched it, you know, an hour ago or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it's the, that is when his eye, when Norman's eyes, kind of start to, you know, bulge, and he realizes, right. and then right. skidaddles out there. Mm. And I, so I Yo, go yeah, ahead.
1: But, no, I was just gonna say. So you're saying that it was Aunt May's fault. So basically, all of this is justified. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we
0: came to the same conclusion uh, on on the day. We're like, chill out, Aunt May. Um, but uh, no one no one wants to look at Peter's open wound at the Thanksgiving table.
2: Um, uh,
1: she just had to be a mom for a moment. She just had to take yeah. care of her boy. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs>
2: I had a question, and if you guys have covered this ad nauseum, you know we can move on. But mm. just more mm. about Norman's journey, like oh. his—he seemed like he was already a jerk, but then he has this enhanced jerk that sometimes reveals itself through a mirror mm. image, sometimes through a mask. But mm-hmm. like when I—I I was having a hard time sort of grasping yeah earlier on it seemed like he he was blanking out not remembering what he did but now he feels more melded with his higher jerk like Mm -hmm. yeah it's getting a little confused about i guess who the real i remember that when i saw this before that there was some empathy towards him towards the end and right now i'm not feeling any empathy towards him sure he just seems like a real dick <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and then like a, his dickiness is just enhanced so i was just curious what you guys generally feel about
0: writing down enhanced dickiness
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yeah i i i mean we we've talked about this a little bit um our our theory is that uh because he inherited that company um oscorp from his father that uh that the goblin persona is uh, actually like a a version of sort of his father, like the worst tendencies of his father Mm. and that um, Norman and like the way that he reverts to uh, this sort of passive whiny guy uh, is actually sort of the Norman that his father didn't respect and is also what Norman hates about Harry um, yeah. Is the side of himself that his his father didn't respect in mm. him, um, and so we think that ultimately that's what the goblin and Norman are sort of representing is the the this like sort of battle between <clears throat> these um I like this 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 concept of like his father just being like a womanizing misogynistic disrespectful jerk. Yeah, And and Norman being, um, you know, just really into science and, and a little more um, – just a little more passive as a personality and that mm. he had to find his father within him to run his father's company. Gotcha. Uh, and eventually th- those sort of like two personalities – actually like when he was in the accident actually diverged and became two distinct personalities rather right. than sort of like business Norman and home Norman. If gotcha. that makes yeah. sense.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, yeah.
1: and that they, um, the interval has been changing so that right. early on it was, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm blacked out. I know what's going on. Goblin is in control. Now I'm fully quote unquote Norman for a mm-hmm. while. I'm sniveling Norman for a while. And then the goblin takes over for a while. And then eventually having conversations with the goblin and then the goblin sort of taking over basically entirely right uh, at this point
0: it's cuz um, cuz he's cuz they're sort of in a weird partnership now and and so they <laughs> they're starting to like merge more um mm-hmm. and and i think that's what we're getting at that point like that thanksgiving scene was all about the goblin persona sort of taking over norman right in public, right, yeah. in public yeah. which hadn't happened before then i don't think
2: the so, gobble yeah. Gobble, gobble, goblin. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. Where
0: were you during the Thanksgiving? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't
1: think oh we're going to tap that. <laughs> right, writing that
0: down so I can time travel and tell myself
2: in the past. Um, cool. But, well, uh, thank you for clearing that up for me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting because I, I, I'm a professional coach for creative people and and when mm-hmm. i think about the common thing that a lot of us have to deal with is that inner critic you know coming yeah, out mm-hmm. and taking over and and uh derailing our personal goals and us from you know being our best selves so to speak mm-hmm, so yeah. this is a good a good representation of that like oh, your total. your inner goblin coming out <laughs> and taking <Yeah>. over
0: <laughs> absolutely uh do you so do you um do you, do you remember what your first exposure to uh Spider-Man as a character is? It we've been running the gamut and so I'm 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 really curious uh about uh where where the first time was that you remember seeing Spider-Man or experiencing his world.
2: Yeah, so I think um I tried to think about that when I was listening to your episodes with Niall and John and and them Uh talking about their experiences. And, um, I, I'm of the era that I don't ever remember not just Spider-Man, Spider-Man, like having that, that in the world. So it was already Mm -hmm. in the world when I, you know, was born. So I, I don't remember a time where I didn't know that theme but i don't really remember watching and i wasn't a comic i was one of those comic book geeks that started in the 90s and it was all the alternative comics so sure sure love and rockets and hate and eight ball and all that kind of stuff oh yeah so um i sort of you know geeked out at that age but as a as a kid i was I just knew that there was the theme song, but I don't remember really watching anything or reading anything, just knowing he was just part of pop culture
0: no. yeah, he's everywhere oh, well, fair enough <laughs> yeah i think i i mean honestly, I think that's most people. Um, Mm -hmm. especially, especially, uh, the younger and younger, um, you know, like younger and younger, uh, people get like, I, I think that's, that tends to be, um, everyone's story at a certain point because yeah, he's so just a part of pop culture that, uh. Uh, you know how, how can you even imagine a world before you knew who spider-man was so <laughs> right
2: and you just yeah. have like spidey sense you know that's right. just a word <laughs> yeah. that you that's just a phrase that you use you know and exactly. it's just in the vernacular exactly <sighs> mm-hmm. um all right
0: well uh you already kind of plugged uh, cabin minute uh earlier so why don't you tell people about spinal tap minute
2: sure sure so my podcast partner, Sean German, and I have, uh, we wrapped already on it, but it's, you know, hopefully this evergreen podcast that will last forever. And that's mm-hmm. Spinal Tap Minute. And of yeah. course, that's about this is Spinal Tap. And uh, oh my God! We had so much fun. we'd never met before. we didn't know each other until we collaborated on this, so it was a real oh, wow learning curve. Sean took on the editing and I took on the the um booking the guests mostly and um yeah, we even got um the man who. Pl- played Viv Savage in the movie. He actually oh. lives here in the East Bay. Um, I live in Oakland, wow. California, and he lives in Oakland. So a friend oh, of nice. a friend <laughs> said, hey, let me see if he's interested. And and it, it, he, it was literally a email to her. She emailed me back saying, here's his phone number. He's totally into it. I called awesome. him and he showed up at my apartment or my house two year, two days later and we recorded wow. a really fun conversation so oh wow i gotta that's hunt that awesome. down that
1: sounds amazing
2: yeah it's it was really fun mm. so yeah we had a lot of good um guests you know a few other movies by minute folks of course scott was on and um
0: very early on i think like yeah. the second episode or third episode something yeah, like that. yeah
2: we decided mm. it, that to to ease ourselves in to have one episode, just the two of us and then get in some of our movie by minute brethren to kind of help us <laughs> uh-huh. get in there. And we knew you guys would be gentle with us and sort of help us along. <laughs> so yeah. And then we got um, uh, a couple of people like uh, Mark McConville from super ego, because he's a big spinal tap fan. So we got some oh, wow. episodes with him and oh. um, who else? A few other, you know, kind of choice like dream people that we were just like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe we got, you know, this person, that person. So amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So we're on, you know, if you could just go to spinaltapminute.com, all the episodes are there, or you can just look up Spinal Tap Minute on iTunes and, and uh, subscribe and listen and see how you like it. So wonderful. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. All right. Cool. Well, uh, can you come back for us tomorrow? Absolutely.
2: Okay. Awesome. (laughs) Bye. All right. Well,
0: we will be back tomorrow with more of Heidi and episode one hundred. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.